How's everybody feeling? We're good? I, uh, I hope you're feeling good and uh, excited that you're here for what is part two of a series we're calling Build Your Church. Everybody look at someone next to you say, Build Your Church. Come on, tell them, tell them I like building with you. Come on, look at somebody, tell them I like, I like building with you. I, um, we, we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 16, kind of as our theme verse. I've been waiting to say this for a long time, but if you have some notes, pull them out. Do you have some notes? What? Uh, did you not? If you didn't get some notes, uh, you can get some on the, on the way out. We are, we're, bringing, we're bringing paper back. And so um, I've been waiting for this for a while, so excited, excited to do that. And, uh, but it's also on our app as well. So for those that are still digital, that's okay. We still have it on the app. So if you... If you pull up the app and you uh, refresh the app, you'll, you'll have it on the app as well, and you can do there. So I have so many things to share today, way more. Uh, for those that don't know, when I write messages, I always write tons of notes. It's pages and pages and pages. My biggest thing is eliminating things and trying to get as much of it out, and today's just been a really big message that I've been wanting to share for a while now. Uh, because it's been something that I've struggled through, and I know it's something that probably you've struggled through. And so today I want us to dive in. If you have not, if you weren't here last week, I'll catch you up real quick last week in this Build Your Church series. Let's read the scripture and then I'll, then I'll recap it real quick. So the, the message uh, that we're using kind of as our theme verse is found in Matthew chapter 16. Can you put that up for me? Matthew chapter 16, and it says this. It says, now I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, everybody's help me with this, I will... I will build my church and the power of hell will not conquer it. That is the declaration that Jesus makes. These are red letters, by the way. Um, I see some notes going. If you didn't get notes, raise your hand right here. If you didn't get notes, look, we got people all over here. Let's get some notes to all these people. If you don't, just keep your hand up. We'll get some notes to all of you that are there. And Dallin, did we not pass them out? I don't know what happened here. All right, grab them. Come on, come on, come on. Bring some notes in. Bring some notes in. (laughs) Okay, so... This is, uh, this is a scripture that talks about how God will build his church. He's going to build his church. And so last week I said, before we can talk about what God is building, we have to talk about how the enemy is, is trying to destroy it. And, and one of the ways that he does it is through church hurt. And so we did a, I did a whole message last week. In 20 years of pastoring, I've never done a message on church hurt. Last year was my first, first time I've ever done it. Uh, I, I, I walked into it with a bit of fear and intrepidation uh, because I know we've probably all have been there, but I, I hope it was helpful for you. Last week I said this, this was a statement that I said, the best part and the worst part of church is people. The best part and the worst part of church is people. I went ahead and said this as well, that where, pro- where people are, problems are. Wherever people are, there are problems that are gonna be there and, and how we can allow pain to either stop us from our purpose or we can allow pain to teach us things to learn how we can continue in the purposes that God has for us. And so one of the ways that the enemy likes to stop God building his church is through church hurt. He just keeps people away from the church because I've been hurt. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, it's just me and Jesus from now on. I know Jesus will never hurt me, so I'm just not going to be a part of a church. Unfortunately, that's just not how God builds. God doesn't just build you. He builds the church. And a church means a we, not just a me. Today, in kind of part two of this, I want to continue this idea because I believe that the devil has even more strategies of what he wants to use when it comes to stopping what God is building. So if you're taking notes, <laughs> if you're taking notes, I want you to write this first thing down, and that is that the devil's goal is to destroy. The devil's goal is to destroy. This is what he does. He destroys. So let me show you what scripture says. John 10, 10 says it this way. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Hey, listen, anything that God is building, the enemy wants to destroy it. Anything that God is building, the enemy wants to destroy it. And if Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, you can better believe that the enemy is going, I'm going to do everything I can to destroy that thing. Not only is it his goal to destroy, I want you to watch this, the devil's strategy on how he destroys is to divide. Write that down. The devil's strategy is to divide. 
So, so if his goal is to destroy, the strategy that he uses is to divide people. Watch Mark chapter three, Jesus says this. If a house is, everybody help me, what? Come on, let's say it again. If a house is divided against itself, that house can not, can't stand. It can't stand. So if, if his goal is destruction, well, my strategy is then just to get them divided. If I can get them divided, that house can't stand, that church can't stand, that marriage can't stand, that family can't stand, that business can't stand. If I divide them, they cannot stand. And the last 18 months, the enemy has been on the full-on offense of dividing us as much as possible. Just hop on Facebook and see how divided we are. He's going to begin to go through this process of can I, if I can divide it. Now, now watch this. The enemy is smart enough to know that he cannot destroy the church from the outside in. Because Matthew 16 says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell can never conquer it. So he knows he cannot beat us from the outside in. So you know what he does? He beats us from the inside out. He beats us from the inside out. The enemy cannot conquer your family, your marriage, your relationships from the outside in, but he can from the inside out. He can from the inside out. I played sports growing up in high school and one of the things I absolutely loved doing to try to antagonize the other team was to try to get the other team to complain against each other. I love it. Like if I go play like pickup ball, you know, somewhere, I'm the biggest trash talker. I'm just letting you know, if you play with me, I'm trash talking you. But I'm trash talking you in such a way that you get frustrated, not with me, but with your other player. Because if I can get you guys arguing, I already got you beat. I already got you beat. Every coach knows that. If I can get the other team arguing about themselves and not worried about us, we'll always beat them. So guess what? We have an enemy that says, you know what? If I can just get the church arguing about masks, <laughs> and vaccines, and COVID, and racial issues, and who did you vote for? Who did you not vote for? Do y'all realize that, that we are divided? You come into this house right now and I start asking some of that stuff, I would immediately, just like this room is, divide it immediately. Because everybody's got an opinion on everything, and, and that's okay, you're allowed to have it. But I just want you to see the ploy of the enemy that if he can get you divided, then you can't be united. And, and how powerful is a divided church? How powerful is a divided marriage? How powerful is a divided family? It's not at all because it cannot stand. So, so you look at your relationships right now and you just got to ask yourself, are we divided on this? Because if we're divided on this, I bet it's probably something, there's, there's some, something that's going on that has caused us division. We, we've, we've chosen to look at something from two different sides. Now listen, Lindsay and I are totally different. We look at situations totally different, but I've always made a commitment that even when we don't see eye to eye, we'll still walk hand in hand. Can we as a church just say, hey, even when there's people that are in this church that don't see eye to eye, can we still walk hand in hand? Yes. Is it possible? Yes. I pray that it is. So, so if the goal of the enemy is to destroy and his tactics are, his strategy is to divide, watch his tactics that he uses. The enemy's tactics is to offend. Is to offend. If I can just get you offended, I can get you divided. If I can get you divided, I can destroy you. It's just offenses. We're just, we've got offenses. Watch this. The top reasons. Let me give you, there was a survey that was done all across the U.S. of the, of the church, in the church, and they asked them this question. What are the reasons that people leave a church? What are the reasons people leave a church? Watch this. I'm going to show you the statistics here. 10% of people leave the church because they died. <laughs> Didn't really have a choice on that one, okay? So I'm out. <laughs> I went to the best church ever, heaven. Okay, so 10% died. Watch this next one. 12% left because of job relocation. Job relocation. Oh my God, I could spend so much time on this too. Because by the way, going and chasing money, you can't chase spiritual family. So don't go leave because of money because you might not find spiritual family. And sometimes money can't buy you things like spiritual family. Can I get an amen from somebody in here? I had a guy in our church this week that called me and said, I have an opportunity to go somewhere. I have a $75,000 bonus sitting waiting for me if I say yes to it. And my wife and I said, no. 
We said no because we have not found a place like this spiritual family. We, we feel God called us here. We feel God has called our family here. And I'm like, you're going to give that up? He said, yeah. My boss said, if I don't move, I lose the $75,000. I said, well, we're going to trust God that what you have here is richer than that $75,000. Watch, watch, watch. And then listen. And then the boss came back and said, hey, we'll figure this out. You can still get this $75,000 after he made the decision. Hey, listen, God has a way of honoring this stuff. I'm telling you. So, so 12%, but which by the way, I'm not saying if you need to leave for a job, don't, but I'm saying just make sure that it's not only money because what you're trying to gain, you may not weigh out what you're going to lose. 12%, I'm, that's not even a part of my message. What am I doing? Okay, so 12% just prefer another church and that's perfectly fine too. There's just some places that's like, this is just not my home. I know it's not my fit. I know, I, you know, maybe there's just changes that happen. You're like, I know I don't need to be here. I need to go. But the overwhelming majority of why people leave a church, 66%, it's because they're offended. It's because they're offended. And so think about this. The enemy's strategy, his tactics that he uses is to offend. And, and, and how many of you know everybody nowadays is offended by something? Everybody's highly, overly sensitive about being offended. And the church is even highly sensitive Everybody is getting offended by so many different things. Oh, I walked in, nobody waved to me. I'm offended. I came in here, no usher helped me find a seat. I'm offended. Okay, they didn't give me notes like everybody else had notes. I'm offended. <laughs> thank you, thank you for clearing up the offense. Our coffee maker wasn't working right this morning. I'm offended. And of course, it goes into much deeper, you know, big things. You know, nobody showed up, I'm offended. Nobody called, I'm offended. Nobody, I'm offended, I'm offended. And, and notice all of it usually is all about us. What somebody didn't do that we felt like they should have done. I have been serving for this amount of years and nobody did this and I'm, I'm offended. They said this on their way out and I'm offended. They didn't say this. They didn't say thank you. I'm offended. But I just want you to realize that offense is going to be a part of life. The part that we just read, Matthew chapter 16, about how he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you fast forward just a couple more verses down, watch with me, in Matthew 16 and now in verse 21, he says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised from the third day. Then Peter took him aside, meaning he took Jesus aside, and he began to, come on, how many know you got some cojones if you are rebuking Jesus? Some of y'all are offended. I just said cojones. Okay, so... I'm going to do as much as I can in this message to offend you. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, so how many know that you've got to have some, 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 something there to, to rebuke Jesus? Like he pulls them aside and rebukes Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And he goes on the next verse. But he turned and he said to Peter, watch this, watch this. You want to talk about get offended? Get behind me. I, listen, I don't know. I may have called y'all a lot of things that I've never called you that. <laughs> Jesus, his right, one of his right hand guys looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. I am offended, Jesus. And watch, he says, you are an offense to me. Talk about calling them out. Not only does he call him Satan, then he says, you're an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Okay, let me teach here for a moment. So this is right after. He looked at the same Peter and said, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. You are going to be one of the founding guys I build my church on. And four verses later says, you are Peter. Oh, also, you are Satan. 
and you are an offense to me. Come on, talk about like build you up and then take your legs out from underneath you. In the same conversation, talks about how I'm going to use him to build the church and then shows him, hey, you in this moment are being used by Satan because this word offense, I want to show you, okay? We're going to, we're going to teach for a moment. The word offense in the Greek is this word scandalon. Let me show you what it is. Scandalon. It literally means a trap or a snare. A trap or a snare. So when he says, you are an offense to me, he says, you're a snare to me. You're a trap to me. This is exactly what Satan does because if Satan's goal is destruction and his strategy is to divide and his tactics is to offend, you're being an offense to me. You are being a stumbling block to me. You're being a trap to me. You are being, you're being a part of, of the snare of, of preventing me from doing what God called me to be. And so I, I wanna use an example today and I'm gonna use the example of a trap. He says, you are a trap. This word scandalon is, is literally this little part right here. This little part, okay? So if you know how this works, pull this back. I did this earlier and snapped myself. And so let's, let's pray because then I'm gonna offend some people because something may come out. So um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't cuss out loud. And so I don't know if it's worse than cojones. Maybe, maybe not. I, Y'all feeling this already? Y'all feel it, right? I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it on here. Okay. So, oh Jesus. So, all right. So, that little lever right there. That is the scandal on. Okay. Somebody got a pen. Somebody throw me a pen. Throw it to me. Okay. Watch. Watch this. Okay. So this is the scandal on. Okay. Now watch this. Watch. This is huge here. <clears throat> The trap works, though, because of the bait. Nobody just puts a trap out. If you do, you're probably not too successful. So what you do is you, you put bait on the trap, whatever that may be for you, depending on what you're trying to catch. You put bait on the trap there. And so the, the way it works is the bait then draws kind of the, the victim to the trap. So what Jesus is saying here, watch this, watch this. What Jesus is saying here is Satan is using you, Peter, as bait. He's using you as bait to trap me. He's using Peter as an offense to trigger. <laughs> Hope you didn't need that pen. Um, this is what he's doing. And I want, I want you to get the picture here because this is offense. This is offense. Try this again. And so, watch. So the enemy, oh, y'all getting nervous for me? Okay, you should. I just wish you were this nervous when it came to being offended. Yeah, you feel it, don't you? Should be on this side. Okay, all right. So, Jesus, help me. All right. Uh, Y'all feel it? Everybody's anxiety going high right now? Okay. <laughs> Y'all get it? <laughs> okay. So watch. So watch, 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 watch. He didn't wave at me. He didn't show up at the hospital. He didn't, she did this. She said this. He posted this. I want you to feel it. I want you to feel that, okay? I want you to feel that every time. Every time your, your blood rises and you just get offended, I want you to imagine that the enemy is doing this every time. Every time. So my message today is called Trapped in Offense. Because some of you, this has happened to you and you haven't gotten out of it yet. 
The enemy has used something someone has done, something someone has said to literally trap you in offense. And you've been on the run, you don't want to deal with it, you don't want to talk about it, but every time something comes around that's anywhere near that, it's just a reminder to you. And by the way, you put your hand in there, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it, it's going to hurt. And I don't doubt that it hurt. It hurt. It hurt. But if God's going to build his church, we've, we've got we've to get healed from this. We can't let all these little triggers keep triggering us constantly about being offended of, about things that are all the time. So, so, so here's, here's a big thought, okay, if you want to write this down. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable. Why? Because wherever people are, problems are. And so wherever people are, they're going to do stupid stuff, and guess what? You're going to get offended. Hey, but watch this. But living offended, that's a choice. That's a choice. So let me give you two wrong ways to respond to when you're offended. I'm going to help you here. Hey, by the way, what I'm about to share with you, I've done them. I've done the wrong ways. Wrong way, number one, wrong response to offense. Number one, blow up. Come on, you let this thing go off on you? Come on, you're going to hear some things, right? You're going to be a blow up. Proverbs 14, 17, though, says it this way. Short-tempered people do foolish things, and schemers are hated. When someone offends you, listen to me closely, how you handle your emotions will either make you or break you. When someone, it's, it's not if, it's when. When someone offends you, how you handle your emotions will either make you or they'll break you. Let's be honest. Anybody in here? Anybody online? Raise your hand if you're online. Let's all be honest. Anyone in here had somebody that's done something that has offended you and you just wish there was something you could say or maybe you did say what you thought you wanted to say? Anybody? Come on, anybody in here? Anybody here? Okay. Every hand should be up. Okay, listen. Someone's done something. Someone has offended you. Any of y'all ever scrolled through Facebook, saw a post, and you're like, what? I'm going to set this straight. And then you just get on there, and you just see somebody look just as much as a fool as the person who posted it. You seen it? You seen it? That offends me. Who cares? You've got to be careful to watch how you respond in the moments of offense because, watch, listen, one moment of anger can do some major destruction. One moment of anger I've seen destroy marriages. One moment of anger I've seen destroy businesses. One moment of anger I've seen destroy churches. And the enemy is just waiting to set the trap, just constantly wanting to set the trap, just wanting to set the trap because he knows he knows you still got, you know, they call you Peter, but you still got a little Simon up in you, you know. And he's just waiting for that trap to set because he knows if I, can get, if I can get them offended, I know they're going to blow up on somebody. William Usri said, uh, Uri said it this way, when angry, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. When angry, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. James chapter one says it this way. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We're going to come back to this in just a little bit. Um, Human anger, watch this, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I'm just so upset. Yeah, okay, it's all right. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's just you have to watch how you respond when you are angry. There's a righteous anger, of course, and there's a very unrighteous way to anger. Let me ask you this. Everybody in here that's just, you, you've got a bit of a short fuse and you know it and, and you're, everybody else knows it too. How's that going for you? Is it... Is, when you just blow up and blow off, does it just make people want to be around you? Does it make people go, he just looks like Jesus? 
They say another word, but it ain't Jesus. When is the last time that your anger has ever convinced somebody to change? See, we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to lead people to Jesus. I'm trying to lead my wife. I'm trying to lead my boys. Every time I respond to my boys in anger, it doesn't draw them to me. It pushes them away from me. I know what that's like. So we gotta be careful that when offenses happen, we don't immediately just blow up and react. The second wrong response to being offended is guess what? Guess what? Watch this, Proverbs 17, nine. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. This is gossip, this is slander, this is let's talk about it. This is, let, this is let me talk to other people about it, but not the actual person that actually offended me. Gossip, by the way, I love how Pastor Rick Warren says it. Gossip, he says this. Gossip is when we are talking about a situation with somebody who's neither part of the problem or part of the solution. Guess what? Let me tell you what my boss did. Let me tell you what this guy did. Let me tell you what this person in my life group did. Let me tell you, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? They don't need to know what. But, but we say it, and this is why we say it. Oftentimes we say it because we want people on our side. So we are fishing. Hey, what did you think about that post? And you're fishing to see if they're gonna respond the same way you did, and then it's like, got them. Yeah, I know. I hated it too. You too? Yeah, you too. I did. And now we got this posse of people that all think the way that we think and feel the way that we feel. And now I got a group of me. And now my emotions are justified because I got other people that feel the same way I do. And think about how the church gets divided so quickly. You ever notice that offended people seem to find each other? How did you find you? You don't even sit in the same place this person says. You sit on the same place. Y'all don't even know each other, but somehow you found that you're hurt and they're hurt and somehow y'all hurt people came to find each other. It's because we can oftentimes get into this place where we're not really wanting to deal with the solution or the problem. We're, we're wanting to just talk about it and talking badly about someone else when they're not around says more about you than it does about them. And what I've learned real quickly is that people, if people will gossip to me, people will gossip about me. If people talk to me about other people, they'll talk about me to other people. Scripture says it this way in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep a vigilant heart over your, uh, keep a vigilant watch over your heart. This is that, that scripture in, in Proverbs where he says, guard your heart above all else. Watch this, because that's where life lies And look at the next verse. Here's how we guard our heart. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and and gossip. Watch it. See, you need to understand that gossip doesn't reveal a gossiping tongue. It reveals a gossiping heart. And so listen, we've all been there. Yet again, I've said I've made all these wrong mistakes myself. But when I get offended, I gotta watch that I don't blow up and I gotta watch that I don't go, guess what? And, and, and I want everybody to hear me. Listen very closely. Don't let other people recruit you to dislike someone who never wronged you. I, I have learned in life that there are people who want to recruit me into their pain that was never my pain. They want me to look at someone a certain way because that's how they look at them even though every interaction I've had with them has maybe been the opposite of it. Don't let people recruit you into their offense because you'll be the same one that's and now it's gone off on you and you and there's a whole host of you 
that are now stuck and trapped in an offense. And the crazy thing, and there's people who are trapped in offenses that the offense was never even to you. So these are, these are the wrong responses on how we do it. And, and so let me give you some practical things. If people come to you to talk about somebody else, I'm, let me help you here. Here's a couple things that you can say, all right? And, and, and one of the biggie, this would be my first one and my main one. The very first thing that would happen is if someone came to me and said something about somebody else, the very first thing I would ask them, all my staff know this, I would ask them, have you talked to them? Have you talked to them? Most of the time, just that question right there eliminates it. Well, no, I can't talk to them. I mean, how do you know? And they just start justifying why they actually never talked to the person. But for some reason, they're talking to me about it, but they never talked to that person about it. And I'm like, no, no, you go, you go talk to them. Let's just go. And then so the second thing I usually go is, hey, let's go talk to them. I'll go with you. And they're like, oh, no, it's not that big a deal. Okay, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's good. It's good. We're good. Yeah, we're good. It's amazing how it doesn't become a big deal when I say, let's go talk about it. But I've got to ask myself, every time that people are coming and talking to me about somebody else, I've got to ask myself this question. Why are they telling me this? Why are they telling me this? Are they trying to solve the problem or are they trying to create a problem? And then I have to ask myself this other question. Is the spirit they're telling me this helpful or harmful? What's the spirit in which they're, they're actually asking me of this? And so, hey, I have, no, I have nothing wrong with you talking to other people that you want to get counsel from because you want to rectify and you want to restore and you want to reconcile the relationship. But if you want to talk to other people because you just want sides but you don't want truth, don't talk to me. Because I'm going to point you to go, hey, let's, this, let's do what Matthew says, which is that we, when a, a brother offends us, we go talk to the brother. How many churches would not be split if people just did that one first? How many marriages would not be divorced if it would just start there? Most counseling that I, that I do with people, it's amazing how the two people who are offended each other don't even talk about them being offended with one another. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And then if you're not in a mature place or they're not in a mature place to talk about it, then you do what the scripture continues to say. And that says, now I bring somebody else in and I help mediate the situation and say, hey, we need help in this. Our marriage needs help in this. Our business needs help with this. So we need, and so we bring in somebody else that can, that's non-biased, that can hear both sides and that can, that can talk and, and uh, help reconcile and heal. This is, the, this is the biblical way that we handle offenses because where people are, problems are. And the enemy is going to use offense to get after you. So let's talk about, in the last remaining parts of our message, how do you stay out of this trap? How do you stay out of this trap? So we know two wrong ways. Don't blow up. Don't say guess what. But how do we stay out of the trap? Number one, write this down. Lower your expectations of others. Thank you, Dana. Appreciate that. Lower your expectations of it. Everybody help me with this. Watch Ecclesiastes chapter seven says this. Not a, everybody help me. Come on, say it out loud. Not a single person. This isn't meaning like all the single ladies. Not that. It's talking about like an individual, okay? Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Ready? Listen. No one's perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Your spouse is not perfect. There's no church that is perfect. There's no place that is perfect. There's no person that is perfect other than Jesus. And there's no place that is perfect other than heaven. Everything that is outside of those things will fail you miserably. So you've got to lower your expectations. Don't expect a church to be perfect. Don't expect a pastor to be perfect. Don't expect people to be perfect. And when you expect people to be better than they actually are, you are setting yourself up to get hurt and offended because they don't do what you think that they should do. And so we do this all the time. We can come into situations. We can come into churches. We can come into relationships. And we're just like, oh, just they're perfect. And then when you find out they're not perfect, you're like, ah, but there's not, and we say it all the time. Listen, if you ever go to a church and you're like, this is the perfect church, don't go and join it because you're gonna now make it imperfect. <laughs> like there's no perfect place whatsoever, none at all. 
Whenever you put imperfect people together, someone's gonna get hurt, someone's gonna get disappointed, someone's gonna get offended. Welcome to our Savior's church. So listen, don't expect the church or the pastor to be perfect. Here's another big thought. Don't put pastors or people on pedestals. Don't, 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 don't do it, don't do it. Acts chapter 10, they tried to do this with Peter. The same guy that got rebuked called Satan. Yeah, after that, he started the church. And after that, watch what happens in Acts chapter 10. As Peter entered the home, Cornelius fell at his feet. And what did he do? He worshiped him. And Peter said, get yourself up. Stand up, boy. I'm like a human being just like you. Hey, listen, only God should be worshiped, never pastors, never people, none at all. Pastors and leaders should be respected but never worshiped. And at any point you worship one, guess what? They're going to fail you. And when they offend you, you're going to be like, ah, another one again. Well, yeah, I'm a man just like you. I do stupid stuff. Just ask Lindsay. If you need a list, just ask Lindsay. (laughs) Actually, if you need a list, just come talk to me. I'll tell you all my stupidities. We're we're human like, like everyone else is. And so... Honor your leaders, yes. Worship thing, no. Peter says, I'm not God. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking to who? Say it. Say it again. Say it again. Not looking to your pastor. Not looking to your life group leader. Not looking to your spouse. Not looking to your boyfriend. Not looking to your spiritual family. Not looking to, looking to Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Don't expect from people what only God can give you. People get so upset because they're asking something of people that people cannot give them. I can't give you your validation. I can't give you your approval. I can't give you the full acceptance. I can't, can I be a part of it? Yes, but I can't give it until you find it in Jesus Christ alone. Every person will let you down, let you down, let you down. Don't put people, don't put pastors on pedestals. Lower your expectations of people. If you walked into a relationship, go, this person's gonna hurt me at some point. They're not gonna be perfect at some point. Now, am I, am I condoning abuse and wrong behaviors in that way? No, 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 no. But, but imperfections, yes. Imperfections, yes. Jesus is the only thing that we're gonna make a big deal around here. That's it. So number one, if you wanna stay out of the trap of offense, lower your expectations. Number two, seek to resolve offenses quickly. Quickly. Seek to resolve offenses quickly. Let's go to Ephesians. We're gonna finish out the rest of this message in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 and 27. And he says this, watch what happens. And do not sin by letting your anger. Hey, how many in here have let your anger control you? Come on, anybody? Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Paul is going, hey guys, I know you're gonna get angry. He knows what's coming. I know you're gonna get angry. Don't let anger control you. Don't let it dictate you. Emotions are incredible indicators. They're terrible dictators. So so don't let anger control you. Watch, here we go. Now here's, here's how we don't do that. We don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a what? It gives a foothold to who? Yeah. yeah. So we're just coming back. Remember, so if, his, if, if, the, if the devil's goal is destruction and his strategy is division and his tactics are offenses, well, guess how, guess how he gets in? He's he going to get in when you get offended and then you get angry and then you let that anger control you and then it gives a foothold. All right. So let me teach for a quick moment here. This word foothold right here in the Greek is topos. Topos. Topos literally means a place or a room. A place or a room. So he says this, don't let the sun go down 
on your anger because if you don't deal with it quickly, you have now opened the door of your heart, opened the door of your marriage, opened the door of your church, opened the door of your relationship and said, come on in. You can have a room. We got a guest suite just for you. I am here today to put the enemy on an eviction notice. He is no longer welcome in my heart, in my life, in this church, in my business, in my marriage, in my kids. We're gonna deal with anger. We're gonna deal with offenses quickly because I don't want the enemy to have access to the places of my heart because I've got to guard my heart because out of the heart flows the issues of life, flows the wellsprings of life, flows everything. So the enemy is not after your marriage, he's after your heart. He's after my heart because yet again, why is he after my heart? Because the enemy's trying to destroy the one thing that God is building and God is building his church. But his church is not a place, his church is a people. And so God, I, 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 I always say, God, I, I wanna make sure that I'm, that I'm in a place where I'm not allowing the enemy to have access to my heart. So like practically, he says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Like deal with this stuff quickly. Now listen, all right? Lindsay and I may go to bed mad, okay? We may go to bed mad, we're just not gonna go to sleep mad. So that means we may be up till four in the morning, We'll be in bed. How many, how many of y'all have ever been in bed? Married people, okay, I'm gonna listen in on married people. Listen in for a moment. Married people in here. How many of you have ever been in bed and something's up? You know your wife is offended at you for something and, and you're just sitting in that bed, laying in that bed and you know it's going on. She hadn't even told you. You don't even need, she don't need to tell you. You know it. You can hear it in the breathing. It's like a, it's like a snort. You know what I'm talking? And then like, like you're trying to like ease closer and then it's like a, you know, it's kind of like a, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like you just feel it. It's like, it's like hot as Hades and yet cold as hell as well. All at the same time. She's mad as a hornet and it's like cold. It's cold. And don't you dare put your foot across the threshold of that. Like, don't you, that thing will get chopped off quick. Y'all been there? So I used to be the type, I'm just, I'll admit, I used to, Lindsay, Lindsay did this scripture really well. Lindsay would always want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. I'm like, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even talk. I'd go to bed. I'd be perfectly fine. And then I'd wake up and how many know, it's not perfectly fine. She's still, she'd been up all night. She didn't sleep because she's taking this biblical principle to, to heart. I did not sleep. I'm not letting this thing go down on my wrath. It go down on your wrath, but not going down on my wrath. And like, this is what's going to happen. And I had to learn over time, maturity, of course, has come to the place of like, hey, let's, okay, let's deal with it. Let's talk about it, what's going on. And usually it's, it is my fault. And usually it is something I've said or something that I didn't do or something that, something that there was an expectation. And, and then I came in, did my own thing. And, and, you know, the expectation didn't get met. And, but for years, it was like, let's, let's just not talk about it. Let's move on. Let's, let's just get over with it. But I'm telling you, you need to learn to deal with your offenses quickly. Deal with them quickly. Because here's what I know, the, that the longer you let offenses sit in, last week we talked about a root of bitterness. How many know you, let a seed, you plant a seed and next day hurry up and go pull it out? No harm, no foul. But you let that seed sit in that heart for weeks and months and years, what does that seed do? Produces roots, right? Hey, and by the way, then it starts producing fruit, but fruit nobody wants to eat. And some of you, as I'm saying this right now, you know there are seeds in your heart that you have let sit in your heart for way too long. And now other people are eating the fruit of it. Your marriage is eating the fruit of it. Your kids are eating the fruit of it. Your church is eating the fruit of it. This is why he says, guard your heart, guard your heart. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a foothold, a topos, a room, a place. Don't, don't leave that room. Don't leave that place. Don't, don't put that there. Can we imagine just for a minute how our friendships would be if we resolved offenses quickly? Can you imagine what your marriage would be like if you resolved offenses quickly? Could you imagine what the health of a church or a business would be? Is that if my employees are mad at me because I do something and then they come and deal with it quickly? Can you imagine what we can do? Everybody look at me. 
If you have an offense with somebody, this is a word from the Lord. Don't delay, do it today. Don't delay, do it today. I don't know if I'll say all the right things. Okay. Well, then talk to somebody, get the right words, and then go do it. Go walk up to somebody and go, hey, I've been holding this against you, and I just want to apologize. You might not even have known that you did this to me. Maybe they did know they did this to you. And listen, if you've done that, and you've gone, and you've asked for forgiveness, or you've gone, and you've tried to make things right, and then they don't care to make it right, then you're in the clear, because you did your part. But if you don't do that, that's on you. You'd be surprised at how many people I've met in Walmart, like, man, I haven't seen you in a while. And they're like, yeah, I left because of, and I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Like literally when it happened, you could have called me that afternoon and said, Pastor Josh, this happened. And I would have dealt with the situation. But you didn't. And then you got offended. And then you left. And most of the time, I'm like, where are you now? They're like, well, we're not going to church anywhere. Exactly. Look what the enemy just did. Let's not be so blind to the enemy and what he's trying to do. And this isn't just in churches, this is in marriages and in families and in businesses. If I got aught against a brother, I go to him. Peter, we see this, actually Peter uh, is opposed by, uh, Paul opposes Peter to his face when he had an issue with him because he, he was being a racist. And Paul went straight to Peter's face and says he opposed him face to face and said, I've got an issue with this. Peter repented and the church moved on. But that's how you do it. I do it with grace and truth. If I only give grace and don't give truth, that doesn't help. If I only give truth, but I don't give grace, that's mean. I love you. But this is good preaching. Because it's hard preaching. Because every time I go to confront somebody on an offense that I have, I risk losing that relationship. But I have learned in life that it's better to risk losing the relationship than having a fake one. I'd rather be honest and say, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. And I'm like Mr. Non-Confrontation. I don't like confronting people. Can ask my wife. I'm like, yeah, let's just give them grace. Let's overlook it. Let's overlook it. But at some point, you can't keep overlooking. You've got to deal with it because there's a seed. There's a seed that's planted. Number four, believe the best even when you experience the worst. Watch what he says now in verse 29. After he talks to him about not giving a foothold to the devil, in verse 29, the apostle Paul goes on and says, let everything you say, this is huge here, let everything you say be good, good and helpful. So that, hey, listen, there's your criteria. There's your filter on who you need to, what you need to say after you get offended. After you get offended at somebody, you need to ask yourself, what I'm about to say, will this be good? And will this be helpful? And if it's none of those, shut your mouth. Because... Listen, by the way, talking truth to people is good. It's good. Telling somebody the truth and being honest is helpful. Now, it might not feel good, but it didn't say feel good. It said only say what is good. So in order for me to work through this relationship, it's okay for me to be graceful and honest and truthful, but I need to make sure that it is good and that is helpful so that your words will be in encouragement to those who hear them. Watch this. What ends up happening is, is we often judge other people by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Well, why can't you give me the same grace you gave yourself? Why not when someone does something, you go, you know what, they didn't. They, they, they probably didn't mean that. They, they, you know, yeah, you know what, they're hurting right now. You know what, oh, they're going through a lot right now. This is why I like to learn the backstory of a lot of you. 
Because when things are said or things are done, I go, you know what? You, you don't know what's going on, though. You don't know the backstory. You don't know what's happening. There's so many things that you don't know. So make sure you don't cast prejudgment before you know all the other details. Like, let's, let's, let's be a people that believe the best. Like, when someone's short with you, you know what? Maybe they're just having a horrible day. When someone, you see someone's kids raised in hell, you just be like, you know what? They just got one of them kids. Pray for them. Pray for them. <laughs> hey, listen, watch this. Maybe their bad, new, bad mood is not about you. <laughs> yup, yup. Anyways, let's just keep going. <laughs> Let me show you a life principle that I live by. I never believe something about someone else that is opposite their character. I never believe something about someone else that is opposite of their character. So when someone comes to me and says, they were rude and they were this, and I know that that's not their heart, I know that's not their disposition, I know that's not them, I will defend that person. Because that's not them. That's not them. I, every time someone brings something to me, I always believe the best at first and go, you know what, I, I will do my homework and I'll find out. If this is true, we'll get handled, but I'm gonna believe the best about this person. Not assume the worst. And we live in a generation where everybody assumes the worst, not believing the best. What would it be like to be a people of God? Where every time something happens to us, we believe the best about people, not the worst about them. And I just, you know, I, yeah, they're a work in progress. Yeah, so am I. Oh man, you can't believe what they said. You know what, I, I don't know if that's them. I don't, I don't see them doing that. I, I, I don't know them to be that. I hope people, I hope you know, first off, I do that for you and I pray to God you do that for me. Because this is, this is how we keep unity. Now that's not to say that maybe hurt didn't happen. But it, but it might have been against their character. It might have been that they had a bad day. It might have been that there's something going on at home that you have no clue about. It could have been, are y'all with me? Everybody with me? Just, how many of y'all just had bad weeks, bad months, bad years? Anybody in here? It's, just, it's not you, but it's just one of those times. For a woman, it could be one of those times. <laughs> could be, you just don't know. You don't know. So we're going to just believe the best. Just believe the best. Number five. Number four. Number four, sorry. Number four is give others what God has given you. Give others what God has given you. Now let's read the rest of this verse and we're done. All right, we're gonna wrap up here. Now read verse 32. So you've been hurt. Make sure that what you say is good. Make sure that what you say is helpful. Make sure that you're not giving the enemy any room. Okay? And then he says, verse 32, he wraps the whole thing up to the church and he says, instead... Instead, be mad, be arrogant, be critical, be contentious. No, he says, you know what, to end this all, listen, be kind. Man, that's just a word right now. <laughs> just be kind to each other, tenderhearted. Tenderhearted. Some of you, you have allowed pain to harden your heart. My prayer for you in this whole series is that God would soften your heart, that you would be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven who? You. So, so watch. When you've been offended by people, give them what you've been given. My wife has given me so much mercy and grace, I know I don't deserve. I know I don't deserve. But it hasn't made me more arrogant and more hurtful. It's softened my heart to realize I'm a jerk at times. It's changed me more than it's repulsed me. And the same vice versa. She's hurt me. I've hurt my kids. My kids have hurt me. I've hurt this church. This church has hurt me. Now, the church itself, but people, we know. I, need, I still need to be kind 
I need to be tenderhearted. I need to be forgiving to others as Christ has forgiven me. And when I think about what the Lord has done for me, come on, anybody, when you think about the mercy that's been given to you, the grace that's been given to you, the forgiveness that's been given to you, the blessings that have been given to you, hey, it wasn't because we earned it, wasn't because we even deserved it. It was because God was so gracious to us. He was so merciful to us. How, how many of you, even today, you're not perfect and God still does all those things? It's like he gives allowance because he knows you're gonna mess up. And so what would it be like for us to be that in our relationships? You know what, I'm just gonna give you what, what God's given me. Hey, hey, listen, you might need to be giving, give other people what no other people gave you, but that's okay because God gave it to you. God gave you this. God has been good to me. God has been gracious to me. Last verse, Psalms 139. So here's my prayer. I want everybody to zone in on this one. All right, we're gonna end. Psalms 139, 23 through 24. Tell me those two words. Come on, let's say it out loud. Okay, this is our prayer, all right? This is the prayer. All of us, I want all of us, you're all invited into this. Search. So if you're married, it's not search him. If it was another church, it's not search that church. No, 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 no. God, search. Search me. Search me. Know my, know my heart. Hey, by the way, he does. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Now here's, here's the real part. Okay, God, now that you've searched me, point out anything that's in me, oh, here we go, that offends. They've offended me, they've offended me, they've offended me. Hey God, would you, would you search me and see if there's anything in me that's offended you? God, is there any, is the way that I've talked about people, has that offended you? The way I've held on to bitterness, has that offended you? The way I've not forgiven these people, has that offended you? And God, if it's offended you, let's, let's do some work here. Because I want you to lead me across the path of everlasting life. But God, I want you to show me. Show me, point it out in me. Search me. Search me. I said this last week, no one has been more hurt by the church than Jesus. And yet he still loves and blesses and serves and forgives and gives mercy and grace. Has people offended you? I guarantee it. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice, is a choice. So where are you today? Are you holding on to some things that God's trying to let you go, let go of? Have you opened the door of your heart to allow the enemy to come in and have residence and room in a place in your life that you have not kicked him out of? Would you bow your heads all across this place? If you're online, man, I want you to join in with this. This is, this is the moment. This is the moment. This is the most important part of this service. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask everybody that's here present, please don't move around. Please don't do a lot. Please don't get up unless you really have to. Because this is the point in the service where we give place for God to speak. He's been speaking already. But now we get to respond to that. So I want you to ask this question. Here in the room, those are online. I want you to ask yourself this question. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Search me, know me, point out anything in me that is offensive to you. This sanctuary is turning into a, a surgery room right now. Holy Spirit's doing some surgery. He's cutting some things out of our heart. He's cutting some things out of our heart. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here.
You're welcome here. Come have your way. Satan condemns, but the Holy Spirit convicts. Not to hurt you, but to heal you. If you're here in this room, and you've been holding on to some stuff, you've allowed the enemy access to your heart, I want you, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to do this, it's gonna be bold. I'm gonna ask you on the count of three, to stand up right where you are. One, two, three. If that's you, I want you to stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. We're letting this thing go today. Stand up, stand up, stand up. If that's you, we're letting this thing go. No more, no more. The enemy is getting an eviction notice today. No more. He is not playing anymore. He has no more room in my heart. He has no more access to my life. Would you right there, if you're standing up, would you just lift your hands right there, right there where you are. We're just surrendering all this, all the pain, the, the, the root of bitterness that has been implanted. We're asking the Holy Spirit right now to begin to pluck these things out of, out of your heart. Would you just right there, just, just begin to ask the Lord just to forgive you. God, if that, whatever it is that, that has been offensive that you know that you've held on to, just ask him right there, God, forgive me. Come on, his forgiveness is immediate. He's, he's already doing it. He's already released that into your life. Mercy and grace, he's releasing that right now. If you're online, come on, you can do that right there in your room or wherever you are. Just join in with this. This is a moment. Come on, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking right now. If you're, if you're sitting down, I want you just to begin to pray. Just pray for all of these that are, that are standing right now. Father, right now, we thank you. God, we thank you for your healing. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, but we thank you for truth. We thank you for your truth. You're not allowing us to live deceived anymore. We've, we've given the enemy too much place. Too much place, no more. Satan, today you are on eviction notice. You are no longer welcomed in this house. You're no longer welcomed in these hearts. You're no longer welcomed in our marriage. You're no longer welcome in our children. God, we will stand up for truth. God, we will begin to pursue righteousness. God, we won't live with a, with a, with a, a tongue that is slandering of people, gossiping of other people, putting down of other people. God, may our words be helpful. May our words be good. May our words bring life. God, we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God, do heart surgery today. Do heart surgery today. Do heart surgery today. We forgive. We forgive. We forgive. God, we release these people from our bondage that we've put them in. We no longer hold them captive to, to our wrath, to our words. God, and we, we know that not only were they in bondage, we were in bondage. So God, thank you today that you have unlocked the door. You have opened the door for us to walk into freedom, for us to walk into healing, for us to walk into wholeness, for us to walk into joy. God, we need that today. We need that more than ever today. Holy Spirit, help us. God, there's gonna be have, to, have to be some hard conversations that are about to have to take place. Holy Spirit, go before them right now. Go before them right now. Restoration, reconciliation, renewal right now in Jesus' name. God, I speak that over relationships. God, I pray that what the enemy has tried to do no longer will work. No weapon formed against this house will prosper. No weapon formed against your people will prosper. God, we pray that right now over this house, over every heart, over every person in here. God, we will resolve offenses quickly. We will stand united together, humbly, submitting to your grace and your mercy, knowing that what we give to others, you give so freely to us. So God, we thank you for fully forgiving us. We thank you for freely forgiving us. God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have given and blessed us with, Lord. Lord, we love you. 
And I pray right now, Lord, that the dagger that has been put in hearts would be pulled out now in Jesus' name. God, and I pray right now that they would see the hand of God, that even in the midst of the pain, you don't waste pain. You don't waste pain. God, you can use it for your glory and for our good. So we give this all to you today in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, come on, let's give Jesus some praise. You can sit down where you are. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost up in this house. I believe this is a, I have never felt so strongly about a word that God has given our house than, than what, what we're walking through and what we're going to be walking through in this series. I believe it's gonna be not only so encouraging as we build, I think it's gonna be healing. Listen to me closely. In one hand, God's got a, he's got a, a tool to build, but on the other hand, he's got a tool to heal. Come on, I believe as he's building, he's healing. He's building and he's healing. He's building and he's healing. And by the way, he doesn't build and not heal at the same time. He's not building at the expense of just all people. Oh, well, you gotta get on the bus, so you're gonna get off. Like, it's gonna, he don't do that. He builds and he heals. And sometimes he's doing more healing, and then sometimes he's doing more building, but he's doing both of them at the same time. He is, God, build your church. God, build your church. But God, heal your church. Heal your church, heal your church. Listen, I, I, I'm very well aware that these are hard conversations. I know some of you, you're gonna have to go and, and maybe have conversations with a spouse, a son, a daughter, a pastor, a life group leader, a fellow church member, a friend. I get it, I get it, it's not easy. It's not easy, but it's right. It's right. It's what God has called us to walk through. And listen, we want to walk you through this. You're like, man, I got so many questions. Reach out to us. Call us. Set up meetings. Hey, listen, let's not settle for full healing. Let's not settle for second best. Let's let God bring the full healing that he wants to bring in our life. And I know one service and one message can't do all of that, but this, I pray, is a catalyst for the process that God is gonna bring full healing in your life. Amen?